But you have to keep in mind so much of this. Okay, that a chemise is just a really we, we did, it's kind of like a nightgown in a way. It's you know you could use it that way. They didn't, of course, but it's close to your body all day and it's loose. It's white cotton, right? And panelettes just it's a button in the back. That is it. And they're crotchless, FYI. So, oh my god, really? Welcome to Steam Scenes, the podcast about... Wait, hold on. Sure, sex is, well, sexy, but it's also sassy, and it's silly, and it's fun. Hi, I'm El Greco, and I write steamy romance. On my podcast, Steam Scenes, I'm joined by my fellow romance authors for some explosive... (laughs) See what I did there? Conversations on writing all the naughty bits. Sit back, relax, and join us for some scintillating conversation on Steam Scenes. Joining me today is USA Today bestselling author Gina Dana. Gina was born in St. Louis, Missouri, and has spent the better part of her life reading. History has always been her love, and she spent numerous hours devouring historical romance stories, always dreaming of writing one of her own. After years of writing historical academic papers to achieve her undergraduate and graduate degrees in history, and then for museum programs and exhibits, she found the time to write her own historical romantic fiction novels. Now under the supervision of her dogs, she writes amid a library of research books with her only true breakaway is to spend time with her other lifelong dream, her Arabian horse with him, her muse can play. Welcome to Steam Scenes, Gina. It is so cool to have you here. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. I am a huge fan of historical romance and historical fiction. Um, I aspire to write one one day, yet <laughs> yet the uh, the research part is a bit daunting because you have to have it so on point. Very true, particularly from my perspective. I write the, I want to write as if I'm reading it. And a lot of times there's a lot of historical novels that I will seriously close the book and put it away. I'm like, they wore corsets in the 19th century. Nobody dreamed of being free. And, and oh my Lord. So, Uh, well, that's the thing. A lot of it has to do with the fashion. No fashion, the way people get around their, what they eat, the way um, they live. It's its not like today, whereas you say we're going to you know, do this and there's microphones and there's this and there's that. And we're like, okay, and it's on scene and there we go and we're over. Um, back then, it's a little, <laughs> of course, I don't have any of this. But it's a little, it's a little longer. It's a little more extreme. Women aren't going to write stories like I write. Um because that wasn't acceptable. Right. So there are a lot of those things that you have to keep in mind when, when you're writing that. I'm super curious about language. Um, And, you know, and particularly dial, like the dialogue, because also the speech, the mannerisms, the choice of words, all very different from what we have now. Um, Very true. Um, I, and since I am notorious for not, my muse won't stay in one time frame. It likes the Civil War, loves ancient Rome, <laughs> blast with ancient Rome. And then I, I do write Regency, and sometimes there's a pirate that shows up in those. And I, I 
I did actually have an agent tell me, you have to choose one. And I'm like, oh, not going to happen. But when I write the Regency, I have a great editor who sits there and says, um, that's very Victorian. You wouldn't like that. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, you know, so, and to me, Victorian, which is the Civil War era and Regency, you know, you're Jane Austen, it's, they're very close and yet they're not. And right. actually we'll get into arguments over words being used because they will say, well, it's not in the dictionary. It wasn't used then. I said, oh, really? So words get into the dictionary because we use them a lot. So how do you know that word? And I won't say which word it was because it's not a very nice word. Um, oh, no, you can say it. We're very, we, oh, well, maybe not. Well, I said crap. I, the character said crap. And they're going, they, oh. they didn't say that back then. I'm like, how would you know, dude, were you living back then? They didn't say that back that way. I mean, of course they did. Why wouldn't they? I I know. It's just, um, it's, it's, uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway, I know. <laughs> well, see, this is the thing too. I feel like when you're writing historical, um, you can really pick apart the minutia. Yeah. I'm a person you don't want to take to see historical movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're the one that sits there and goes that would never happen like that <laughs> well it's like i'll bring one to to example um i love the movie ride with the devil it's a civil war one it's set in missouri it's so well done toby mcguire's in it excellent movie except there's one scene in the very beginning and she's walking away and they point her out to Toby McGuire and she's got a scene down the back of her dress like a zipper and I'm like Ooh, you know there were no zippers <laughs> I'm you know I just I just want to pull my hair out gods and generals which comes after Gettysburg which the actual title to that was I think they should have put out which was killer angels um Gods and Generals by the end, I was kind of, I'm, I'm, and I got to see a premiere and I took my son with me and I'm like, okay, we can go. And he's like, no, we need to see in the end. I'm like, no, I'm done. We can go. And he was, <laughs> he was young enough and he's like, oh, so we stay. But historically, I, I'm screaming the whole way through the movie. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. So what was, I'm, I'm curious, what drew you to the romance genre? Because you have this background in history um, and so what sort of, I mean, obviously historical romance was your draw, but what was the pull of romance for you? Well, I think, you know, every, every, well, every girl I knew grew up with this idea of we, you know, would love to marry a prince, uh, be a princess, um, marriage. It was, you know, you grow up idea, you, you meet this guy, you fall madly in love and you get married reality is is life isn't exactly that way but you know um my mother was reading kathleen woodowis and i picked it up don't ask me which novel it was everybody will tell you specifically which one of hers they, uh, i don't recall because i greedily ate all of them um i fell just madly in love with it but at the same time i i picked up john jake's bicentennial series starting with the book the bastard and I, I mean, in one of those books, and I must have been maybe 10, 
2012-ish, somewhere in there. I literally sat down and read The Rebel, I think, all in one day. Wow. And these are, you know, 400-page long books, but I would just get so pulled in. I couldn't put it down. And then when I'm like, how does he know all this? And, you know, because he talked about street names and all this. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. When I found out, you know, he, he did the research. So. So that's what drew you to it. Yeah. And I've always loved history anyway, so. Right, right. Obviously, you sort of have your career in that, so. <laughs> yeah. So when you first sat down to write your first historical romance, like, what was that process like for you? Well, it was so funny because I'm, I'm one of these people who I'm sure in years will pay for this. I used to lay out a lot. Well, I still do when I can. But because there's something about probably my Sicilian half coming out. I love being out in the sun. Right. And I read when I'm out there. And I was gobbling books up like crazy. And this was back in the day when you could go to like Walgreens and they had a whole bunch of, you know, paperback row, and you could pick them up. And, in fact, I exhausted their paperback row oh. <laughs> because I would go through. And, I, you know, it was serious. I would sit there and read these all. And after a while, you know, it got to where the first couple pages, I could tell you exactly what was going to happen in the book. Right. And I'm like, oh, I can bring one of these. And it didn't take – it took till my son went to college, and um, I, I'm a Civil War reenactor. And his father's second wife, after me, however you put that, um, was hoping because uh, I would come and speak to her writing group about this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And, of course, you know, kids don't really know much, but he did find out more. And he said, well, romance writers. I'm like, there's a group of people who do this? And so he, I kind of walked in that way to it. And that kind of inspired me to start writing. And he went to college. And so I had this free time. Right. Now I'm like, oh, let's just try this out. So where do you find your inspiration then for your books? Oh, it depends. My first one was... Um, a, a regency with a pirate in it who was also a vampire okay <laughs> now, this, I, I, this is back when true blood was out and the vampire brothers or diaries that was it and so it's kind of a combination of pirates meets the caribbean vampire diaries sort of deal and it was fun to write um but after that i was at a loss and I got tired of reading all the Regency ones about, well, she's the prostitute. And he goes in there, of course, Lord, whoever. And he falls for her and he must save her. And, and she's all for him. And I'm like, oh, my God, give me a break. What if we reverse this? And so my second story is about a Regency gigolo. And, um, I mean, what guy doesn't think he should be paid for this? Right. <laughs> and it was, it's, it's so much fun to write. It was kind of scary. Um, and I, I always get ridiculed at that one because you see, even though he met her, he still kept working. 
Everybody shouldn't be doing that. I'm like, oh, okay, all right, all right, I, I got it. So like, if I lose my job, I'm just going to tell my mortgage company, I'm working on getting a job. It's really okay. I'll pay you when I can. Right. <laughs> so he's all his creditors. I'm sorry. I met this woman, and she said, "I but I can't work anymore." Right. So, and that was to me, I, you know, I would sit there and say, it's his character arc. Read his viewpoints on this as he, he continues and, and see how he changes. So, you know, that was a lot of fun. And then after that one, I, I love the Civil War. Huge in the Civil War. Um, reenactor, study at part of the Civil War Trust, which is now the American Battlefield Trust. You know, a lot of stuff along those lines. But I was terrified to write the Civil War. Why? Because I am so much, it has to be deadly accurate. Uh, and the people I was writing it for, who I wanted to read it, I know would be the first people to jump down my throat saying, that didn't happen. <laughs> so um, it, that's part of the reason why these are very long books and they're very, very involved because everything has to be accurate these books all have bibliographies at the end um so you can see some of the sources that i use i literally will sit well if you could see my apartment right now i've got when i've had this happen on zoom going wow you have a lot of books yeah <laughs> i have interesting libraries i have my ancient rome library and i've got my regency one but my place is more or less overwhelmed with civil war and um, I would sit around and I have books open all around me. So it's. So because we've touched on the clothing, I, you know, and obviously, and when we're writing steamy scenes, we're disrobing people usually. And that's a comp, like, this is sort of like an added layer of things because the clothing was a little more structured, I guess, would be the word than what we have today. Right. So again, like, you know, I've, I've often read, um, like this big complaint about like, you know, the sort of getting a woman out of a corset doesn't happen that quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I can, I can undress out of a civil war outfit faster than they can out of their civil war clothes. And I have seven layers of clothes. On. What? <laughs> Well, it is all about the layers too, right? So oh, you've got seven. Yeah. So you've Two. got these seven layers of clothes that you have to get off, right? But you have to keep in mind so much of this. Okay, that a chemise is just a really we, we did, it's kind of like a nightgown in a way. It's you know you could use it that way. They didn't, of course, but it's close to your body all day and it's loose. It's white cotton, right? And panelettes just it's a button in the back. That is it. And they're crotchless, FYI. So, oh, my God. Really? Oh. Yeah. I'm trying to think what movie it was that was done right. Was it The Piano? It's a very old movie. And they, they show she's out in the, they're out walking and she needed to go whiz. And, and they all stand around her and she literally just squats. Well, you can do that because it was, it was crotchless. It was just two leggings tied to a, a waistband. And then you have a corset on over it. And it's got the busk and then the strings pull around and tie in front of you. Um, Jodie Foster did it correctly okay. in... We can look that up. <laughs> now I can't remember the name of the movie. It's with Richard Gere. 
All right. So, so actually, then the fallacy with you, historical you, you romance is that it's that, hard you to get out of these together clothes. And it the sounds like falls right off. It's it's really easy. Yeah, you just lift the skirt. It is. Oh I mean, the hard part is, is kind of blowing my mind itself, at the moment. But, you know, with crushless underwear, you just. Yeah, for yeah. him, is it, it then is it more complicated for him? Because he's got two rows of buttons to go through. So it's actually more complicated for him to get out of his clothes. Yeah, because he's got drawers on that's a button fly, and then he's got his pants on over it, his trousers wow. that have buttons. Okay, flies. my mind is completely blown. My mind is completely and totally blown. Okay. Easy for me to Here bend over and up skirts, and, and he's fumbling with buttons. <laughs> so it, it, it is Amazing. a lot easier. And like I, when I'm reenacting and I'm done, I can literally get out of that outfit in about 90 seconds. I mean, it's not take a little longer to get off um in the boots but <laughs> literally everything drops to the floor which is a real problem when i had cats because i'm like ah, look at all these pull strings <laughs> not funny but it does it just puddles at the floor and you literally just step out of it and you pick them all up wow okay my mind is totally blown absolutely blown all this time i was like oh my god like it's so complicated no it's actually not as complicated as people make it out to be right you see that's why like on some of the scenes it's it is that that pooling and puddling effect that you know they don't have people are like today if you want to do a quickie you can amazing absolutely amazing um, okay, so um, I have a scene from your. Wait, I'm sorry. Which book? Is, wait, which, which book is this? Oh God. It's the Wicked, the Wicked North. North. That's what it was. I have it. I have it in my notes somewhere, and now all of a sudden I can't find it. So, um, the Wicked North. This is the first one in your. Civil War series? In the Civil War series. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, so, yeah, it's, uh, set this up for me. I thought this was so good too so set this set set this up set set up the let us know a little bit about the book and set up the scene that you sent me okay the book is about jack and emma and jack is a louisiana boy who is in west point when he meets emma um he becomes friends with emma's brother who is at west point and um, Emma lives in Virginia, close to Richmond, where her family owns um, uh, a plantation, so to speak. And he goes down there to meet her, and actually her older sister, um, is, well, she's quite an, an individual. And so the story is Emma and Jack, and, and it's it's all the issues that a lot of people can run into with relationships when you're attracted to somebody and other people get in the way. And he ended up having to marry her older sister. And um, so, of course, she's furious at him. And, well, the war breaks out, and he will not go home. He does not like his family. 
And so he um, stays and fights with the Union, but of course she's a good Southern girl and considers him a traitor in more ways than one. Oh, okay. Um, because he had asked her to marry him and he was going to speak to her father, but it was a big celebration, you know, a lot of drinking going on. And her sister managed to get him royally drunk and managed to end up in bed with him and get caught. And she arranged that. And that was how they, she, that's how they ended up having to get married. Right. So they're forced to get married. Of course, Emma's all upset. And Jack was too drunk to really know how he, you know, how this all occurred. And so um, Jack takes her with him because he's got to report north. And Emma's all upset. And so her best friend for forever um, asks her to marry him. And she's so upset, she just does. And while she's always cared for him, she, in the long run, you know, her her heart is still Jack's. And then Jack finds out what a witch her sister is. Like he comes home from, you know, he's in Washington and and gearing up with his, because of course he's an officer, so he's, he's part of that gearing up to go and down south and um he comes home and she's got all these guys there he's like what are you doing and this is after he finds out on the running night no she you know she faked the whole thing and um he he wants nothing to do with her and in fact he gets so mad he sends her back home and uh, when she shows up down at Emma's family home, she's pregnant. And Emma, of course, is just devastated. So anyway, long run, story short, um, Caroline dies in birthing bed. Uh, and when Jack, uh, with his, he's part of McClellan's group that went down on the first Manassas, and he shows up at her plant. He goes AWOL because her family home is in Battlefield Way. And she meets him on the front door with a gun. And um, it's the opening scene to the book. And there's a baby crying in the background. Uh, what a great opener. And he just, of course, he's like, that's not my kid. And so Emma ends up as has to take care of this baby. Well, in a long story short, he goes AWOL more or less because he still loves her and he needs to get her to safety, which surprisingly enough is his family in Louisiana, which is filthy rich, old French Creoles. And this is their journey going that way. So here they are together. She's taken one of the slaves from her family plantation and her father, who's now starting to go um, sink into senile dementia. And so all their opportunities get interrupted. (laughs) And she keeps, you know, she's still mad at him over Carol. Right. And considers him a traitor in more ways than one. 
And they run into all sorts of situations going because he's a union. Right. So she could turn him in anytime. So this is, this is when they finally have an opportunity. No interruption. (laughs) And it, it gets a lot. And of course I think because it's in the middle of a field, um, a lot of people are like, huh? But if you read the story, it makes right, sense. Right, 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 right. Okay. So I am going to just, I'm just going to dig right in. Okay. So here's the first little bit that I, uh, that I, that stood out, that jumped out at me. With a deep breath, she allowed herself to relax into him. He was rock solid, a contoured wall of strength. Heat radiated from him, warming her and desire unfurled deep within her. When he lightly caressed her cheek on his last words, she dreamed about what she really wanted for Christmas. He was leaving them to get food and to find where the armies were to protect them. War still reigned in the land. Despite his promise to return, he might not. It was almost too bold to think of and even harder to say, but it might be the only chance she ever got. I want that and more for Christmas, she whispered. Okay, this this felt really bold for the time period when I read it. But now I'm wondering if my initial reaction to this was actually, no, it wasn't bold. Or was it? In a lot of ways, it's bold for, for her. her. Right. He's been fighting an uphill battle um, with her in more ways than one. He's been trying to prove that he does love her and wanted her and the whole bit with Caroline was a big mistake. And, you know, that's something she can't get over. Right. Um, actually, her husband ends up kind of sacrificing himself for her happiness. And actually, because he so, had been so badly wounded in battle and he sent home more or less an invalid, um, he had said to Jack, take her, give her the children she wants. And, of course, she's just living. <laughs> What you know, a sow or something, you know, and he ends up dying to save her, more or less. So of course she's got all these complex, right, right, right. And I should add, like right before this, they they're in this this sort of field. They're they're on their trip. It's Christmas Eve, and he's saying, "I'm going to go and get you food and do all of these things." And he's basically going to leave her at camp for a couple of days. It sounds like I'm not sure how long now. Um, and she is, of course, worried. Well, what if, you know, what if the Yankees comes? What if, what if, what if this happened? What, you know, she's, she's got all of these concerns. Um, and clearly one of those concerns is just being away from him, although she might not admit it. Right. She, a lot of her, her issues through this book is this, this fear of abandonment. Right. She's been abandoned several times. Um, her mother's dad, her sister's dad, her brother's at war. She doesn't know if he's alive or dead. He's fighting for the Confederacy. She's lost her home. She's got this baby that's not hers. That she uh, all of a sudden, you know, motherhood's thrust on her. She's dealing with a dad going downhill on dementia. And he switches on and off. Sometimes he recognizes Jack. Sometimes he doesn't. Um, and... If Jack could easily disappear. He could be killed. He could be sucked back into the war, uh, captured, whatever. And 
she's in the middle of nowhere with a baby, a slave, and, and her demented right. father. <laughs> this poor woman's going through it. And, yeah, so she actually goes through a lot in this book, and she's not sure she can ever trust him. See, this is that's an underlying problem. She's not sure she can ever trust right. him. Okay, I'm going to move on to this uh, next little bit. Well, it's actually a, a long bit, way longer than that. So, um, but it was hot. Okay. <laughs> his eyes flickered before turning dark and his arms momenta- momentarily tensed. Her mouth felt dry and she couldn't breathe. He devoured her with his gaze. She wetted her lips as nerves began to overtake her. He would reject her again, she was sure, whether it was because he had preferred her sister or for some other reason. He growled, interrupting her thoughts as his lips claimed hers. She gasped in surprise, and he took her reaction as an invitation to plunder her mouth. He tightened his embrace. She encircled his neck and met his lips with a force of her own. He ran a hand down her back, heat from it penetrating her clothing as it continued over her hip and buttocks, cupping her against his arousal. She shivered with delight. He wanted her. The unexpected joy of it caused her to sigh deeply as he kissed her neck, nipping as he went. His other hand sank into her hair, which she'd hastily arranged that morning, and pulled out the pins holding it up. Her long tresses fell loose and cascaded down her back like a waterfall caressing his skin. She moaned aloud. Inside, she burned with desire, want and need pooling in her lower stomach. Oh, my love, he rasped, taking her earlobe between his teeth and gently tugging it. His tongue skittered down her neck again to her collar. With a groan, he began unclasping the pin at the top of her bodice. He undid the buttons with the expertise of a man who was familiar with the design of ladies' clothing. When his hand slipped into the opening, it burned against her skin, despite the cold air threatening to chill her. He kissed her along the swell of her breast, searing her with his lips, tingles branching down and through her. He pulled the ribbon at the top of her corset and opened the clasps clasps on the bust, freeing her breasts from the boning. With a growl, he lowered her scoop-neck chamois, giving him full access to one of them. His tongue blazed a trail to her pearled tip, engulfing it, and he suckled, his tongue teasing the top bud. I loved this with the clothes. Here I am with the clothes again. I am like, I am like obsessed with this whole like (laughs) olden day fashion thing. But I mean, I loved how you really made the undoing of the clothes super erotic and really part of the seduction here. Oh, thank you. Um, You know, which I think I, you know, and as, you know, even with my own writing, I'm sort of in my head going, I maybe should make more of that. Although with contemporary clothes, it's just, you kind of pull off the t-shirt, you know, you push down the jeans, you know, like it doesn't have the same, it doesn't have the same, I don't know. It doesn't have the same rhythm. It doesn't have the same, I guess, foreplay to it because there's, I mean, there's not a whole lot to kind of undo with contemporary outfits, you know? No, you all, yeah, no, that's, taking off pantyhose, there's absolutely nothing romantic Mm-mm. about that. That ain't um, sexy. No. Now, stockings is another situation, right. but <laughs> I had, I have read some authors' works that, you know, they weren't, they weren't even, they didn't get as close as my two did. And I was like, I need to close. <laughs> 
And so that's a lot of what I try to strive to. I want to, I want to pull you in. I want you to be there. I want you to be like, Oh my God, please just take me, get this over with. Um, because that's, that's how I I have read some and and they just suck you in and, and make you and, and this scene this is the first scene that they actually 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 get to complete it. Um, they were pretty close one time and the baby cried and his first thought is like I have a talk with. She jumps up to take care of the baby instead, um, but. That is, you know, long seduction scenes are are fun to write. Um, my first sex scene, I thought, I can't write this. It ended up being 10 pages long. Um, so you can, yeah. When you take the time to go over it in your head, and it, it changes scenes in the middle of, of the scene, Part of the time you're in her, part of the time you're in right. him. So that also helps with the, the seduction. It's not just one-sided. Well, I'm kind of curious um, when you say your first, the very first sex scene you wrote and you said, I can't write this. Like, wh- why did you feel like you couldn't write it? Well, you know, I'm a single mother. I'm at home. I, uh, you know, my kid was actually home when I wrote it. So, I mean, nothing like, mom! nothing more awkward than that right (laughs) well it kills the libido going on even in your head as you're trying to write it um and you're always terrified that they're gonna walk in when you're writing this and what are you doing now actually my son wouldn't care less um he's he's not that nosy but um still you have that kind of what i'm not doing anything i'm like at facebook <laughs> it is super awkward or like for a while um I would have to I I was I was doing this ridiculous commute um in and out of New York City which was very long and so I would take my laptop and you know and I could not write those those scenes like I would have to put them away and go back to them it was so awkward to write like on public transportation or in a coffee shop or what, like to write a sex scene in public like that. I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> well, and it's, I think it's, it's interesting because I know some authors who will then just skip over the scene and move on. I can't do that. You mean you need to write uh, like, in a, like that linear progression. Right. I'm not one, you know, in my head, I can see the end, right? You know, I can see the end of the book in, in, in my head. I've actually had characters rewrite a scene for me. Um, I was writing my my Rome books, and I wanted this particular scene, and they're going no. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is how, and they're going no, this is what. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, and actually, it, it made it better, but that was not how I was going to write that scene. So, um, and with the sex ones, yeah, when I'm at work, because now I work for the airlines and, you know, it's so funny because everybody wants to be my book. And I've actually used a couple of people at work, their names, because I can come up with the hero and the heroine's name right off the bat. After that, I can't. A little struggle. Yeah. I know names can get tricky after a while. <laughs> yeah. And I have a tendency of sticking to 
a certain letter so i use people's names at work and it's just hysterical because one guy who's in book number um three kept saying, what am i doing i said you're a courier you're running an error you're I have another one who wanted, I said, you you know, you're part of the Louisiana Tigers. Cool. What are we doing? I said, you're going to die. I'm I'm killing you off. (laughs) And it's so funny because a lot of people who want to be in my, my stories with Mark um, are the guys. That's so funny. And I'm like, and I'm like, you really don't want to piss a writer off. (laughs) Because my ex is in one of the books. <laughs> I won't say books, but he's in it. No, he doesn't die. It's just his real character comes to life. And so he's going. But, um, you know, it's it's hard when they're fighting over, you know, um, wanting to have football on. And you're just like, I can't think with you people doing this. Just <laughs> turn the TV off. What? Yeah. So it's harder to do there, but you know, once you get, or at least for me, once I get into a scene, it's, I, I, I can stay in it. Sometimes it's just getting into it, um, can be hard considering the circumstances. Right. Right. Because of where, so it was, it was more, it, the struggle for you was more almost environmental rather than this sort of like, oh crap, I have to write a sex scene now. Like, here we go. Yeah, and and some of them you're a little. In fact, um, one I just did. I took a couple of scenes out because I'm like, mm, it doesn't really fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. When you look back on retrospect. So. Okay, so next little section, and and I and this is where we have the perspective shift, which I wanted to talk about. <clears throat> so now we're with now we're we're in Jack's perspective. Jack so wanted her to be buried deep inside her. And he knew she was ready for him. When she stroked his arousal through his wool pants, the heat from her hand and the pressure of the buttons against his fly, uh, buttons on his fly against his sensitive organ made him hiss. He'd already decided to pleasure her only, knowing later she'd regret it if he took her fully. As his fingers pumped harder, he felt her slickened sheath clenching at them. When she began undoing the buttons on his pants, he started losing his resolve to avoid taking her completely. If she actually touched his skin, he'd lose the battle entirely. She clamped a hand onto, onto his shoulder, digging it in, digging into it, and kissed him hard. He wanted her, needed to claim her, make her his. His carnal need, primal, began to surface as she clumsily worked the buttons on his drawers. With a low growl, he pulled his fingers out of her and finished the unbuttoning himself. She gasped when he re- withdrew his hand, and he knew she had been on the verge of climaxing. After taking her to that plateau, he couldn't leave her unfulfilled. Emma, he muttered, his arousal resting against her curls as he smashed her into, into the rock. You don't want me like this. There, he'd said it and put his own fears out on the table. Okay, I read that and I was like, oh my God, man. Yes, she does. She does want it. <laughs> oh my God, are you that thick? She does want it. Come on. <laughs> but I actually really loved how you moved these perspectives. And and this wasn't the first time that our character perspective changed. We went, you know, it shifted a lot. And I, and I I don't think I've ever actually read a book where during the intimate scenes, 
the perspective kept shifting from one to the other. And I really thought it worked very well. Well, thank you. So I'm curious, what made you decide to do that? it's, It's kind of their character development. Um, because if you'd been with them through the whole book, after a while, you're like, please just do this. <laughs> please, please just, I, you know, and actually, there was another writer I was reading, actually, his work. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, you've gotten them. And then what is, can we just do this? Um, and it's, so it's it's that sort of deal, because I I you're in both of their heads through the whole story. He wants her. He knows that she hates him because of everything, but he's so compelled to protect her because he loves her. And so he's hoping just one day, you know, and she is that, that fear of being abandoned of, of him just betraying her all over again. And, there's so many circumstances that then she gets away. You're just using me. And he's like, what? <laughs> oh, cause there's a, there's a pawn scene where she's cleaning and she's in, in underwear, you know, just down the chemise and the pantalettes and scrubbing diapers and getting pissed off because, you know, here she is stuck with all this. And he's on the other side. And it's terribly hot. And so he just strips down and jumps in and kind of swims and comes up right in front of her. Um, And they have this huge argument, huge argument. And he's just like, what the hell? So, you know, you have a lot of this going on in between them. So when it comes to this scene, it just made sense to me because you, you, you need to know what they're both going through. I was sort of thinking, um, you know, I, I usually write just one perspective, um, which I'm trying to do too now in my next book, uh, <laughs> or the, I should say the book that I'm working on, not the next release. Um, and, and I, and so I've read the books where you have, the sex scene, usually from the female perspective, and then right afterwards, the, the perspective will change. But I've never actually read it in the moment going back and forth, which I thought was really kind of cool. And I was like, that might be something I was like, "Ooh, you might consider playing around with doing that, because I thought it was really fascinating to actually have that happen in the moment rather than sort of like the male perspective comes in after the deed is done, you know, um, and sort of like, you know, doing the, during the aftershocks of the, of the situation. So got one bit again, this is a little bit long. So, um, uh, so everybody buckle in, but it's good. Okay. Now we're back with, I think we're back in Emma's, uh, Emma's world here. She looked into his darkened eyes. She too ached with need, and it would be so easy. She gripped his shaft and brought it against her soaking entrance, placing the head inside her wet folds. This was his undoing. He plunged into her as his mouth captured hers again. She gasped as it filled her. He was so big, and for a moment she burned as he buried it all the way in. With an instant, though, her body accommodated him. He withdrew almost completely, and she whimpered. Again he filled her her back and bare shoulders getting scraped as he lifted her against the bolter. Over and over, he delved deep inside, filling her. She braced herself between Jack and the rock as she wrapped her legs around his hips. 
He groaned against her neck and she panted wildly, gasping for air as he took her higher and higher. She clung to him as she approached the precipice of something she hadn't experienced before. He plunged into her again and she lifted her hips to meet his thrust. With Jack's next thrust, her world shattered. With her eyes shut, she saw the stars explode into a million pieces. Jack thrusted one more time, moaning at his own release. And as his seed filled her, he buried his teeth in her bared shoulder. As he lowered, her, as he showered her womb, the exquisite pain from his bite made her climax again. Together, they slid down the rock to the hard ground, Emma on top of Jack. He wrapped his arms around her, and her skirts covered them. She'd never felt so sated. She was exhausted, happy, warm, in love. Her head fell to his shoulder as a sigh escaped her. What the hell had he just done? He acted like a complete scoundrel, no better than his father. He had taken what wasn't his hard against a rough stone exposing them both to the cold and possible discovery he simply lifted her skirts and claimed her although she wasn't his to claim oh my god okay so first of all there's a lot going on here that i love the perspective shift like that was again like so great um you know particularly their kind of reactions like she's actually admitted in love, right? She like she that L word, the L word came out of her, even even if it was something that she was just thinking or feeling. And his reaction was, Oh my god, I blew it. And it was so great to have those counterpoints. Um, and it was also very heartbreaking because he felt so guilty and so upset about what he had just done, you know, and 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 so I don't know. It just the just the the two perspectives again having that in those moments I thought was so fascinating and really really drove the character development here for sure with the two of them, which oh, I you. which I thought was was pretty damn phenomenal. And like you know at this point like I'm I'm totally rooting for the two of them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it it they it is a romance from the standpoint they are together in the end. Okay, good. Uh, um, it's it's, but as the book ends, you know, they are together and everything is great, and the cannons are heard in the background firing at Vicksburg. So I, it's it's interesting. A couple of the reviews going. Well, we don't know what's going on. We don't. What type of ending is this? And I'm like, oh my god! You know, if you really looked, there's book two. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this book is three, almost four hundred pages long. They're together. They're going to get married. It's going to be wonderful for them, despite the fact the war is still going on because it's only. 1863. Right. And so, and that's the series does go on. Actually, book two is on her brother. Book three is on his runaway sister. Book four that just came out is on his older brother, which who almost stole Emma away from Jack, because she thought Jack was dead at one point. And then book five goes back to Jack and Emma. Oh. Oh, wow. So do you envision the series going beyond the five books, or is it going to be bookended by their story? Well, I plan to do the book ending by their story, but then I was reading 
I got thanks to Brian um, into other aspects for promoting and I do not have a newsletter list. I am awful. Because <laughs> I kind of sit there going, well, I don't even know what to write. What are you talking about? Um, I, it's like I have a Twitter account. I am awful with it. I Because I'm like, I write, you know, 140-something thousand words. You want me to put it in 143 spaces? What's wrong right. with you? Um, so I write the idea of a newsletter. Um, what's his name? Nick, I think it is, is certain says, well, you should have a reader magnet. That, I know like, it's oh. so daunting, all of the writing that we have to do just to get through the marketing part. Well, we should say that the latest release is called The Better Angels. Yeah. Um, and that came out in, um, in, at the end of June. Right. Yes. So, um, cool. So where can readers find you? I know you say you don't have a newsletter, but you're starting one, right? Yeah, I'm going to start one. That's my, since I got the edits off, I was actually going to go play around with that today. Actually, um, I think you there's, because you write historical and because you are so knowledgeable, I would imagine there's so much that you could put in a newsletter. Like I'm always so sort of like every week, like, I have no idea what to talk to you guys about. Like, I don't know, like, do you, do you want to hear about like what I'm watching on Netflix? Probably not. You know? Well, you know, there's actually from that standpoint, you know, you might look at Bob Marr because he does, he, he will write things like that, but, um, oh. and, but he's, he, all right, moving right along. Um, I do have a website. I'm notoriously bad about not doing anything with it, but I have put up, research things on that articles um and i i do have facebook and instagram i still haven't figured out instagram all the way but it's there <laughs> um sounds so bad i'm on bookbub and goodreads i'm not really on very much i mean the easiest way to probably get me is to my author facebook page which is just gina dana author um okay and that's on Facebook. Yeah, that's probably the easiest one to find me on. Well, I have to say, you've blown my mind completely um, in this interview. And it was like everything that I thought about historical is like was wrong. And I'm like, <laughs> so, um, which is actually kind of exciting. <laughs> is that good? Still daunting, yet kind of exciting. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much for um, for being here and doing the podcast. I appreciate you taking the time. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. It's a nice, nice conversation. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, and thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Sign up to get email alerts when a new one goes live at lgreco.rocks. And don't forget to five-star us on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you next time.